What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number four of the Travel and Adventure Photography School podcast. I'm your host, Robert Massey. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to this topic because today we are going to talk all about how to take your travel photos from snapshot to wall art. That's right. I've got 11 tips sitting in front of me here today that I'm going to give you. Hopefully, increase your chances of creating a beautiful piece of art the next time that you are out traveling. Before we get into the episode, however, I want to say a huge thank you to each and every one of you who have been on this journey with me since the very beginning. We've gotten a ton of plays and I'm just so stoked with the responses we've been getting so far for the Travel and Adventure Photography School podcast. I can't tell you how excited I am to see the response this is getting and I really appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in and listening to me every week so far. Thank you so much for your support. All right, so here we go. Let's launch right into it. Let's talk about taking your travel photos from snapshot to wall art. Regardless of the kit you use, whether it's a phone, a mirrorless camera, a DSLR, or something bigger, and props to you if it's something bigger, because that's really heavy and hard to lug around. But it really doesn't matter what camera you are using. These tips will apply to you regardless of what type of camera you're using. Phones today create beautiful images, and if that's what you have, use it. Go for it. If you like shooting with your DSLR, your mirrorless, your medium format, whatever it is, go with it and use that. Let's start right off with one of the biggest things that you can improve in your photos is their composition. Composition is essentially how you choose to place objects into the frame of your photo, uh, where they lay, and how they are used to draw your viewer's eye around your image towards your primary subject. There are four composition tips that I am going to lay on you right now. We're going to start with the rule of thirds. So imagine your frame divided up into thirds, both vertically and horizontally. Our eyes are naturally drawn to those points where those lines will meet. So there are four points in your frame where the horizontal and vertical third lines will meet each other. And if you place your subject into one of those positions, you will naturally create a more engaging and inviting image. Tip number two for composition, leading lines. So you can use straight lines in your image to draw your viewer's eye through the frame and up towards your main subject. So imagine placing a person along a railing and then getting close to that railing and using that railing to guide your viewer through your image and up towards the person who is leaning on the railing. You can do this with all sorts of really interesting objects. You can use roads to build a leading line up towards a building. You can use pathways in a forest to lead up to a mountain or up to a subject who's at the other end of the pathway. There's all sorts of different types of leading lines. When you start looking around the world, you start seeing that we have built a world that has leading lines in it naturally everywhere. The idea behind a leading line is just to give your viewer a guide through your frame towards your main subject. Compositional tip number three, framing. So you can use buildings or other objects to frame around your subject, and this helps create a really dynamic image and it also draws your viewers eyes straight down towards your main subject. You can set up a really simple example of framing 
by just placing a person or any other object into a doorway. That door frame frames your subject and is a great example of how framing works on a really basic level. There are all sorts of objects you can use in the world to frame, not just literal frames like doorways and windows and literal picture frames. But there's lots of examples of how you can do this. You can frame a mountain using tree branches, zoom through them, wrap the tree around the edges of the mountain. You have framed that mountain with the tree branches. Tons of really cool examples. The idea is that it adds an extra dynamic element to your photo. And it really helps draw your viewer's eye straight down towards what your main subject is going to be. And compositional tip number four is about the background. You really want to look for really simple backgrounds to put your subject up against. Busy backgrounds can really distract your viewer's eye, whereas a simple background keeps the focus on your subject. This can be as easy as having a bright blue sky as the backdrop to a building or placing a person up against a brightly colored wall that doesn't blend in with their clothing. And one of the main things to look for when you're trying to create a simple background is to ensure there is nothing coming up out of your subject. So this particularly matters with people. You really don't want things like light posts and traffic lights and trees to be growing up out of their heads or their shoulders or them to have extra extremities from people walking by, things like that. You really got to keep an eye on what is going on in the background of your image and try to keep it as simple as possible to keep the focus on your subject and whatever is in that image hopefully is critical to that image or you simply can't avoid it because there's too many people around whatever don't let it ruin a photo by not having a simple background like not taking one but if you can have a simple background definitely use it it creates such a better more simple image which typically leads to a better focus on your subject and if you can tie together any of these compositional elements you'll create a very dynamic and interesting image and you can easily use the rule of thirds with leading lines and a frame in one photo. And you can create a absolutely gorgeous, a dynamic image that people will be drawn through and interested in looking at. And that really helps with engaging your viewer and engaging your audience to keep looking at your photo. All right, that was composition. Now let's talk about you getting a new perspective. I really want you to go looking around for angles that other people aren't using. So get yourself low to the ground, get high up in the air, go for a walk and look around the area and see what other perspectives people aren't using. Getting low to the ground is great for seeing everyday objects from a totally new perspective because you can look back up at a building, you can see flowers or cobblestone right up close and you can use that cobblestone or you can use those flowers as foreground elements for other images. It adds a really dynamic new perspective for people and it's not one that a lot of people are used to seeing, so it makes them do a double take. And instead of going low, you can also go up high above your subject and give them a top down view, which again will cause your viewer to stop and be like, oh, I haven't seen that kind of an angle before. You can do this by finding a hill to climb or finding a building that will give you a different perspective as long as you are safe and legal doing so, climbing trees, there are lots of ways to get your camera up higher than just that typical eye level or even arm above head level that a lot of people are used to seeing. One of the great things about a top down view is it typically shows off patterns that are on the ground, whether we've created those artistically to give the area a certain feel or just the way we've built pathways, stuff like that. Humans tend to create 
patterns on the ground to help us guide ourselves through the world and those create really cool compositional elements to add to your images. And one of my other favorite things to do, especially when I'm traveling, is to look around an area for for those new and unique perspectives. Is there a building that I can use to help cause a foreground element? Can I get down low to the ground and create a leading line using the cobblestone up to a building? Can I go and climb up into this little catwalk space and look back over the plaza that we're standing in? I, I spent a lot of my time looking around for different unique angles rather than just getting up, seeing the most standard shot and taking it with everybody else who's standing there. Take a few minutes to really explore the area that you're in and that will give you a brand new perspective. All right, on to tip number seven or eight, depending on your counting these. Do you need to go wide or do you need to get close up? This really depends on what elements of a scene you are trying to show off. Going wide gives you the opportunity to show off how an area feels. It gives you the ability to show off whole buildings and whole cityscapes, and it really allows people to see what that architecture is like and how everything really feels around you. Getting up close is totally opposite to this. It allows you to really isolate in on one specific detail of an area, such as an animal's face or a statue on a building, and it just provides you with the opportunity to show off detail in an image that a wider photo won't show. And there are two ways you can really get close. You can use your feet and walk closer as long as it's safe and legal to do so. Or you can use the zoom capabilities of your camera, such as a telephoto lens or the optical zoom on your smartphone or on your point and shoot camera. If you can, at all costs, avoid using the digital zoom that's on cell phones and point and shoots, as this really leads to absolutely terrible images. Images shot with digital zoom are typically really grainy, not very detailed, look kind of smudgy, and are fairly colorless. Suffice it to say, you are going to be very disappointed if you are shooting with the digital zoom on any camera that you are using. So stick to your optical zoom as much as you possibly can. And this is one of those places where having a DSLR or mirrorless is a huge advantage over a phone or even over a point and shoot as you get a much wider range of options to use that are purely optical. All right, next up, time to chase some light. The most important ingredient in creating beautiful images is getting the right kind of lighting. And when you're traveling, you're not typically going to get the opportunity to choose how an area is lit. So give yourself the best opportunity for Mother Nature to give you the best lighting possible. There are typically two times of day that lead to the best opportunity to get the best photos. The first one, you likely already know. It's that roughly hour before sunset and roughly hour after sunrise called the golden hour. There's typically lots and lots of soft, gorgeous lighting and long, gentle shadows that lead to absolutely beautiful images because you don't have harsh shadows distracting in your images. You don't have highlights that are just being blown out massively. And this is typically also where the sky lights up into those beautiful, beautiful colors that you see at sunrise and sunset. If there are spaces for the sun to reflect off of to create those colors. 
The second one is known as the blue hour. Blue hour is that hour after sunset and that hour before sunrise. It's when the sun is still illuminating the sky, but it is below the horizon. And I personally love shooting blue hour because you still get a beautiful soft glow, but your sky typically isn't being blown out by the sun. This is a great opportunity to shoot places with their lights, like cityscapes or buildings, because they will have a gentle glow on them from the still below the horizon sun and their lights will be turned on. So you'll get that benefit of the building being illuminated from the inside as well as having this beautiful soft light illuminating it from the outside. The sky is also this beautiful blue overall tone to it, typically anyway, which creates a really nice backdrop for images and a really simple backdrop that isn't being blown out by the sun. There is one big caveat to this though. You're gonna need a way to stabilize your camera to get the best possible images. You can use a tripod, or you can try bracing your camera on a wide railing or the ground or anything else where it's going to be stable if you can get the right composition in those places. But you really need a place to stabilize your camera to be able to create the best images so you're not causing a lot of grain in your photo so you don't have to drop the shutter speed and cause a lot of shake. Tripods or any other way to brace your camera are going to lead to significantly better images during the blue hour because the sun isn't up really to provide lighting on the buildings. Now, finding golden hour and blue hour is really, really easy. There are lots of options for apps and you can do Google searches and all that kind of stuff. But one of my personal favorite apps to do this with is called Sun Surveyor. This app tells you exactly when the sun is going to set and when the sun is going to rise. It tells you uh, moonrise and moonset as well. And it also tells you how long golden hour and blue hour should last and when they should start which is great for trip planning and it will do it all entirely based on the location you are currently in or on any location in the world if you just enter it into the app. It also gives you a virtual reality look at where the sun will be in the sky from where you are standing at exactly that moment, which will allow you to see, say, if the sun's going to go behind buildings or if it, where it's going to set on the horizon which is super helpful for planning your photos. If you're wandering through an area going, oh, I'd love to come back here and shoot this during golden hour and shoot sunset here. It'll tell you where the sun is expected to set and you'll be able to plan where you want to set up well in advance. So you're not doing it and wasting that good light. Okay, I got four more tips for you here. First off, isolate your subject. So one of the great ways to create really superb images and to set yourself apart from other people is to isolate your subject in a scene and ensure they aren't blending in with the scenery. And you can do this in a number of ways, but I'm going to give you three. Use your depth of field. For close-ups, set your aperture to a really low f-stop. This blurs out the background behind your subject and leaves them completely isolated in the scene. This is great for close-ups of flowers, of people, Places like that, we all know what the Bahake looks like. You've all seen really beautiful, creamily blurred out backgrounds. Do that with a low f-stop number, and it's a great way to isolate your subject in an image. You can use color. So place your subject against a contrasting color to have them pop out. Think of it like this. A person wearing a green coat standing in amongst green trees is going to blend into those trees. But a person wearing a bright yellow or orange coat is going to pop out from amongst the trees, drawing your viewer's eye to them. 
if you're in a very earth toned scene and that person is very wearing very earth toned clothing, you're not going to see them as easily versus if they're wearing really brightly colored clothing. And we talked about this already when we were talking about composition, but I'm going to mention it again because it's really important, but simple backgrounds really help isolate your subject. So if you take a look at the Instagram feed, you're going to see a photo on there of the Eiffel Tower that I took from the Arc de Triomphe, where the Eiffel Tower looks massive against the rest of the cityscape. And it is totally isolated by itself in and amongst this beautiful blue sky that's behind it. It's a great example of how you can use a very overshot location to create something different and a little bit unique and also not super complicated and busy. And it's a great example of isolation using a simple background as well as a color pop, to be honest, because it's a bright yellow color up against a dark blue sky. And we've made it to the final tip of the episode. And it's one of my favorites. Get up and get going early. You're going to have way less people out around you and locations are going to be far less busy if you can reach them early, early in the day. It gives you a way better opportunity to create a more dynamic and interesting image because you will not be dealing with hordes of tourists or hordes of other people getting in your way. I can distinctively remember back in 2015, I took a bus from Glasgow to London and got off the bus in London at roughly 5.30 in the morning. Couldn't get into my hostel until about 3 that afternoon. So I just went and started exploring and I was at Buckingham Palace by myself. There was no cars, nobody else around. It was absolutely empty except for the guards out front. And that was fantastic. That was bizarre and eerie in some ways too. I was like, am I supposed to be here or not? Anyway, um, and it was such a cool experience to watch the world start to wake up around me. And it gave me such a great opportunity to create some really dynamic and unique images that you can't get at any other point in the day because it is just jammed with people and cars and tourists. And it's just a mess. So get yourself up and going early and you're going to have a way better opportunity to create some really cool and dynamic images. Plus, if you can get up before sunrise, you can get that blue hour in and then you get golden hour. And then you get to see these locations in their most beautiful and fantastic light and not share it with a ton of other people. Plus, and this is purely subjective, but I love the light in early mornings far more than in the evenings. To me, it has a totally different gentler feeling to it there's something almost calm about the light early in the mornings versus in the evenings purely subjective no scientific data behind it but test and see for yourself and maybe you'll really enjoy getting up and getting out shooting early in the mornings like i found out all right that's our i think we ended up with 13 tips in the end there that's okay i love giving out some tips like this so whoa more for you awesome (laughs) Um, yeah, that's our travel tips to take your photos from snapshots to wall art. Hopefully you've learned something new here today. If you want to see some visual representations of the various tips and ideas that we shared with you today, check out the show notes on the website. We will throw some photos in there from our own trips that give a visual representation of everything we just talked about. So go check out the show notes on the website if you want to see that. And you don't have to use any of these tips just for traveling. Go be a tourist in your own city. Create some unique and dynamic images of the place that you live in. Don't wait and take your camera out only when you're traveling somewhere. Go and explore your city. 
And I'd love to see some of the results. If you use any of the tips and ideas that we've presented here, then share that image with us. I would love to see some of the photos you are taking, some of the photos you are producing. I love talking photography with people and I love seeing the photos people are taking. So pass them along my way, DM them to me on Instagram, email us, do whatever you're comfortable doing. And if you want to find us, you can find us online at the travel and adventure photography school.com. You can find us on Facebook at the travel and adventure photography school, or you can find us on Instagram at travel adventure photo school. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to have you follow along on us on social media. It's where we'll post about new episodes, uh, any other content we start producing and photos that we've taken on our journeys all over the world with some extra little photo tips. So if you're interested in a photo tip every day, you can typically find that on our Instagram feed where you'll get more and more and more advice and keep being able to learn from the things we've learned over the last 10 years of photography and all the mistakes we have made. <laughs> That's everything, folks. Thank you so much for listening today. Can't wait to see the photos that you're going to share with me. Now go grab whatever camera it is that you are using and let's adventure. <laughs>